on the Easter story today and, and for the next following weeks. I've entitled this series, For Pete's Sake, For Pete's Sake, and I want to look at Holy Week or the, the, the passion story through the eyes of Peter. Because as I, you know, I, I've been doing this a long time now, right? And, and so I'm like, okay, God, what's, what's, what's something new that we could learn from this crucifixion story? And it's really wild how often Peter is kind of at the center of attention throughout the last few moments of Jesus' life. And I'm going to take a look at a number of those stories, Lord willing, in the next few weeks. So I'm anxious to share this with you here today. So we're going to start it off by looking at the Last Supper. And you may have noticed that there are some communion elements on your chair. Perhaps you're sitting on one of them right now. We, we're sorry. We'll be having... Well, we have a communion at the end of, uh, of the service today, kind of doing something a little bit different. And uh, I want to invite you uh, to the table. I want to invite you to the table. And specifically, I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 22. As we come with Jesus and the disciples to the table. Now, uh, we have uh, an, an account of, of this all through the Bible, not just here in the book of Luke. But there's, <laughs> there's a moment in particular in this version of the Last Supper that Luke mentions that is very interesting and pretty striking. And I want to take a look uh, at, uh, at this story and show you a few things before we, uh, before we take communion. So say amen if you're there. Luke chapter 22, are you there? Verse 14, half of you, that's great, okay. Uh, if you're able to, why don't you stand with me and honor God's word. We're going to read this together. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow me uh, on the screen as we read this whole thing together here. You ready? How many of you are ready? Okay, all right. You're going to make me work for it. That's okay. It's good practice for when you lose that hour of sleep next week. So here we go. Verse 14 says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, after the supper he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who's going to betray me is with mine on the table. And the Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And they began to question amongst themselves which of them it might be who would do this. 
a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table, but I among you as one who serves? You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom." And sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, here's where it gets specific for Peter. Now, how many of you know that what Peter's name was before it was Peter? Simon. Okay? So sometimes Jesus kind of goes back and forth between Simon and Peter. Kind of like how my mom used to do Phil and then Philip Lee. You know what I'm saying. Okay. Don't ever call me Philip. All right, here we go. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And then Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me. Three times that you know me. For Pete's sake. Jesus, I pray that today as we look at your word, God, that you would would show us just how relatable this moment is. May we just not see this as a story in, in scripture or some tradition that we do every few weeks, but God, I pray that today, as we come to your table, you would converse with us and us with you. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. And it's in your name we pray, and we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. The table. I will confess to you that for me, uh, a lot of my meetings in the ministry are based around... (laughs) A table, usually with breadsticks in the middle, right? And free refills. Um, the, the table. The table is a place where a lot of people can find a lot of, uh, a, a, a lot of time to get to know one another. It's an intimate setting, correct? Uh, it, it's, not like, it's not like the internet, where you know you can kind of type something and kind of hide behind your phone, then somebody else types something, they hide behind their phone, and 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 it's when you're sitting face to face at a table, it's a little bit different. And that's why I believe that Jesus instituted this act of remembering his crucifixion around a table. And that's why we call it the Lord's table. But there were some interesting things that took place. Now, this was actually a Passover dinner, okay? This is probably something that Jesus and his disciples were a part of 
annually. This is probably a tradition that they did over and over and over again. And now, here they are, gathered together, and this is pretty interesting. What I'd like to show you here today is the fact that Peter and the other disciples saw a few important truths come out of this time. They saw a few important truths come out during this meal, during this Last Supper. It's my prayer that as you personally commune with the Lord, that you be reminded of these same three. That the Lord would touch you in one of these areas. Let me show you what I mean. Number one, I believe that Peter and the other disciples were uh, reminded of salvation. The first thing that we can be reminded of today when we come to the Lord's table is the fact that there is salvation and freedom from our sins. Can you say amen? Now, here we are. We're going to go into the Easter season and... I love, I love the Easter season. My, my brother and I were kind of chatting the other day as uh, he had a little extra time on his hands. And, and, and uh, he said, Phil, I could come up with a different Christmas story all the time. He said, but you, man, you're all over the whole crucifixion and the Easter story thing. I, I just, and I, I said, Matt, I could preach on the crucifixion every Sunday if I had to. There's something powerful about the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus, understand now, see, because we know the story, okay? So we know how this whole thing ends. But the disciples are sitting around the table, and Jesus kind of turns this Passover meal into something totally different. He's using jargon. He's saying words that he normally wouldn't say when he's leading his followers through this Passover meal. Look again at what he says. He said in verse 14, it says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. That's usually how they sat, by the way. They reclined. Uh, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Can I just pause here for a second, by the way? Never underestimate how much Jesus wants to spend time with his followers. He loves to spend time with you as his followers. He eagerly desires to speak with you today. He eagerly desires to spend time with you later today. He eagerly desires to be with you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You are not just some statistic and he does not uh, he is not to be considered as some figment up in the sky, but he is a God who longs for a relationship with you. But let me continue. Verse 16, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this, divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again, drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took bread, he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Can you imagine? It's, uh, what, is he, what, is he, what is he saying? See, Jesus, knowing that he was about to go to the cross, 
was turning this entire tradition on its head. Because no longer was it a ritual. No longer was it a matter of, of, of recognizing something that had happened in the Old Testament. Now, things were different. See, understand, for you to receive forgiveness of your sins prior to the crucifixion, you would have to go through a priest. And you would have to bring a sacrifice. And with that sacrifice, it would have to be an unblemished sacrifice. And the high priest would, uh, for you, sacrifice the animal that you brought, and that was the way that you found forgiveness for your sins. But then Jesus changed everything. Did he change the law? No, he fulfilled the law. And all at once, by giving his body on the cross and bleeding in our place, paying the price for our sin, all at one time, Jesus became the great high priest and the spotless lamb of God, all at one time. And today, ladies and gentlemen, there is salvation from our sins. Are you right with Jesus today? Those of you watching online, are you right with Jesus today? Jesus paid the price for your sin. Jesus went to the cross in my place to pay a debt that I could not pay so that I could find forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. The body and the blood of Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Are you thankful today? I'm thankful. Jesus, thank you for the cross. So I have a way to salvation now. I no longer need to go through a priest. I no longer need to bring a lamb. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the high priest. I could go straight to him and find forgiveness for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. Can you say amen? Amen. Secondly, and this is where it gets interesting now. Jesus not only gives the proper take on salvation, but he also talks to his disciples about the proper take on success. Now, I can't imagine what was going through Jesus' mind, okay? Because here he is, take this bread, it's my body broken for you. This cup is my blood that's shed for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. And look what happens. Do they say, wow, what a great service. Wow, that was great. Thanks, Jesus, for the word. Thanks for giving me a word. It's not what, he said, what they said. Verse 24, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Are you kidding me? At that moment? I'm greater. No, I'm greater. Well, let's keep reading. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call them benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who's at the table or the one who serves? 
Is it not the one who's at the table? But I, among you, I'm as one who serves. What in the world? This had to be a moment that kind of had Jesus doing the the old facepalm thing. Like, I just got done talking to you guys about this new covenant in my, in my body and my blood and, and the sacrifice, and you're going to argue about who's greater? Can you imagine that conversation? There's Peter. Yeah, well, none of you walked on water, right? <laughs> right? There's John. Say, well, I'm the one that's closest to him, so I'm the greater one. And there's Matthew. Well, hey, I've got the more dramatic story. I used to be a tax collector. Now I'm a follower of Jesus. Thomas would say, I doubt it. (laughs) Some Some of you get that. Okay. Philip, just by the name Philip, I mean, there's greatness right there, right? What happened? What happened? In, 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 in this moment, pride began to fester. Isn't that crazy? Even sitting in the presence of Jesus, pride began to fester. Let me tell you, Do you know a way that the enemy of your soul will try to attack your spiritual life? It's through pride. It's through trying to be the greatest, the best. Living, uh, I'll give you some examples. You live for the attention that you get for the things that you do. You've got to have that feedback. And if they're not giving you a standing O or presenting you with a plaque or a trophy, it just isn't enough. People who will do something for somebody else, but, but they, they want, they're going to hang on to that receipt. And they want it in return. Do you know when you need to really pray for your pastor? It's when... It's when I have preached a really good sermon. Hopefully that's every Sunday. But, but, yeah, I know, I know. But, but when, when, when I've rung the bell, guess what the enemy will try to do? Guess what the enemy will try to do? Wow, Phil Anderson. Woo! Are you, wow. Billy Graham. Philly Anderson. There you go. Why are you not on the road? You are just, and, and, and this is what happens. Musicians, same thing with you, for example. For example, if you do really well, then the enemy of your soul is going to try to make it more about you than it is about him. Anytime you try to make it more about you, that's called Pride. That's called pride. Let me say this without um, coming off as bragging, okay? I've had moments, good ones. I've been on the radio, done radio interviews, been in magazines, had my picture. (laughs) Mr. October. I I, I was, uh, (laughs) it was was Bubba Monthly, but I was there. (laughs) 
<laughs> might like be like cat fancy, you know, but but no, I mean there was a write up about something that we did and and uh I was getting phone calls about something that we did and people, oh, 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 you know, sell this and oh you should man, you'll be famous and 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 I realized that all of that stuff, you know how long that lasts? About five seconds. It's not worth anything. It's not. Somebody once told me that a pat on the back is just about two feet away from a kick in the... (laughs) And it's true. Recognition, fine, okay? And, And if God has elevated you to some kind of level where you have a huge platform, that's great. But here's what I've learned Here's what I've learned, and I, I go by this, and Jesus, please convict me if I don't, but everything I do, I want to do it for an audience of one. So even if you think, even if you didn't enjoy the sermon, okay, if I know that I shared what God told me to share, I'm good. I'm good. In fact, I had a person tell me one time, uh, I, I didn't like that sermon. They wrote me an email. I was really brave. And uh, I didn't like that sermon. I, I, don't, I don't come to church to hear that. I come to church to be blessed and, and happy. And, and, and I said, well, first of all, I was going to say I'm sorry, but then I thought, I'm not sorry. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. So if that, if God's kind of reading our mail on a Sunday morning, okay, don't, don't blame me. I don't write the news. I just report it. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, rejoice in that. And no, your spouse is not feeding stuff to me during the week so I could use it in a sermon. So many of you accuse me of that. No, now for a small price. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just a small fee. What am I saying? You want to be great? You want to be great in the kingdom? Serve. Serve. Jesus said that greatness is found in the servant, not in the celebrity. I don't have a thousand Instagram followers. Who cares? You can serve. You can serve. You have no idea what your, quote, unseen act of service can do for the kingdom of God. I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again here. Church on Sunday morning, it happens not because of some guy who has all of his points that start with the same letter. It doesn't happen because we got a hot band singing a great set list that you happen to like that week. That's, that's not it at all. Do you know what makes church happen? It's the unseen things that people do that not, most of you don't ever see. 
the ones that pick something up, the ones that love on the kids when no one's looking, the ones that will pray with somebody without being told to, the ones that will hug somebody, not because pastor said, everybody hug, but because you knew that God wanted to use you to encourage somebody. You know what those are? Those are moments of service. Those are moments of greatness. Your greatness doesn't have to be seen by everybody. It only needs to be seen by Jesus. Certainly we'll try to honor somebody for doing something. Certainly we'll try to give props when we need to. But ultimately, folks, I live for that moment that Jesus looks at me and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm all about that. Can you say amen? So Jesus says, guys, stop arguing as to who's the greatest. Just serve like I do. And then the third truth, and this is specifically with Peter now, is this word, support. This is the part of the communion story that we don't always refer to. But they're still gathered together. They just had a good old argument about who's the greatest. And then Jesus looks at the guy who he said, on this rock, your name is Peter, your name is Rocky, and on this rock I will build my church. He's got huge plans for Peter. But he says something to his big-time leader, to his what he probably thought was his favorite, he says some things that were probably hard for Peter to swallow. Look at verse 31. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Okay, let's just press the pause button there. Satan had to ask Jesus for permission to come at his followers. Some of you, you say hallelujah to that. Others of you, you're saying, I don't like that. (laughs) See, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jesus knows what your limits are. And he has dropped that ceiling so that it will never surpass that. Not one time was Jesus caught off guard by anything the disciples faced. Not one time has Jesus ever been caught off guard. No spiritual attack, no physical attack, no emotional moment that was hurtful to you. None of that has ever caught Jesus off guard. And sometimes I think that we, we, we think he's surprised. Let me assure you today, Jesus is never surprised. Ever. I've said it, Jesus does not gasp. Jesus does not say, oh, wow, what happened? I can't believe this. Angels, let's gather together. I sound like Joe Biden. Hey, angels, come here. (laughs) That's not a good imitation, but for some reason I slipped into that. I'm so sorry. He didn't say, hey, we need a meeting. What's going on here? He knows. 
When I've been attacked physically, he knows. When there's been trouble in my family, he knew he wasn't caught off guard. He wasn't caught off guard. Understand me today. Jesus is not shocked by anything that you will ever face. Ever. You have that support, but it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 22. Oh, man. He says this, But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Stop there. Oh, man. Come on. Come on. See, some of us have this post-resurrection idea of Jesus that he's like on a hammock and like they're, they're like fanning him. Angels are and feeding him grapes. And so it's like, oh, you did so good, Jesus. We're just going to do this until you come back. That's not at all what he is doing. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Well, no, pastor, that, that was just a one-time thing where he was just praying for Peter and he was praying for the disciples. No, 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 no. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Look at this. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life. Look at this. He is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. That's his posture right now. Is that he is praying for me. He is praying for you. You are so near to his heart that he actually talks to God the Father and pleads our case. That's how much he loves you. Now, you might not believe it. Now, well, it doesn't feel like it, then please quit letting your faith be guided by your feelings because your feelings will never be correct, but your faith in God always will be. Then thirdly, I'm going to wrap this up. We, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus says in verses 32 through 34, look at this again. Okay. I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may... And then look, and when you have turned back, okay, stop there. When you've turned back, okay, so after you've messed up, Peter, are you following me? When you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go. This is so Peter. Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And then Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, You'll deny three times that you even know me. Pastor, that's a sad way to end this message. No, it's not. You see, because even with Peter's shortcomings, Jesus had a plan for him. Even with Peter's imperfections, Even with Peter's failures. Failures that Peter could not have even seen himself doing. But Jesus knew it was coming. And he looked at this imperfect, hot mess of a disciple by the name of Peter. 
Didn't look to John. Didn't look to Thaddeus. Didn't look to anybody. He looked at Peter, who he knew was going to deny him before the rooster crowed. Who he knew was going to blow it pretty bad. And he looked at him and said, Peter, I want you to be the one that strengthens these guys when it's all said and done. And by the way, Peter, it's still on you that I want to build my church. You might be thinking, I am such a hot mess, Pastor. How could God have a plan for me? Even with your inadequacies, Jesus has a plan for you. Pastor, I've messed up so many times, he could still use you. Pastor, I'm a hot mess. Hey, you're in good company in this church. He could still use you. He's still got to, Pastor, you don't know what I've done in the past. But Jesus knows this, that in spite of your past, in his eyes, you've still got a future. Hmm. God's grace is greater than your failures. And God's plan is greater than your mistakes. And he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And you might not be as perfect as the person you think is perfect. In fact, there's a good chance that that person is not nearly as perfect as you think they are. But God's got a plan. Which brings us, Jonathan, if you could help me, this brings us to the table. (laughs) Jesus is gathered with his disciples and he reminds them of salvation. That his body is about to be broken and his blood is about to be shed. He reminds them that true spiritual greatness is not found in the one who calls himself great. It's found in the one who serves. And he reminds the disciples that even in the midst of your inadequacies, Peter, in the midst of your mistakes, I have a plan for you. What I wonder is tonight, or today, today, as we gathered around the spiritual table, if you will, as you take the cup and the juice in your hands today, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to lead you in this. I'm going to turn you loose to do this at your own pace today. But I wonder if you might need to have one of these three conversations with Jesus today. Maybe it's this, Lord, I need your salvation, so forgive me. In fact, we're, we're just going to leave, we're just going to leave this up here. Maybe that's the conversation you need to have. Jesus, I've not been right with you, and I need to be. Folks, I believe Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Lord, I want to be a servant. 
So lead me. How can I serve you, Jesus? Not, not God, I need a stage. Lord, I need a platform. Lord, I need a following. No, no, just you need a servant's heart. That's all you need. We don't need any more celebrities in the kingdom. Ah, we need more servants. Or maybe for you, you look at yourself and you think, oh, I am such a mess. I wish I had it all together like this person. And it turns out that we're in a whole big old room here with people watching us online and people in person here. We've made mistakes. We haven't always gotten it right. And we're probably going to blow it again. And nobody's more aware of that than Jesus. So maybe your prayer today, as you take the bread and drink the cup, maybe your prayer is, Lord, I want to be used by you. So help me. Help me. Help me. Help me to get past myself. I want to make a personal, private table for every individual who's here where you take the bread when you're ready. You drink the cup when you're ready. And maybe it's after the bread that you need to talk to him about getting forgiveness for your sins. Maybe it's after the cup that you need to ask him to, to lead you to be a servant. Or, or, or maybe you're having such a hard time getting past your own inadequacies for whatever reason. Maybe you've listened to the wrong person too long. It's time to listen to the Lord, friend. Don't listen to that coach. Don't listen to that boss. Maybe it's even a family member who's told you lies. Stop listening to that. I don't know who this is for. Stop listening to that and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Can we have these conversations with the Lord? When I say conversation, I'm not just saying throw some prayer up to God and then that's it, but, but maybe you could sit in his presence as Jonathan plays. And maybe you could allow his Holy Spirit, still a small voice, to speak to you. The table, it's been prepared for you. So I'm going to pray. And I'm done talking. And when you're done with the Lord and he's done with you today, you can consider yourself dismissed. But don't leave. Don't leave until you've had the conversation that you need. It might be all three of these today. But don't leave until you've had the conversation that you need to have with the Lord today. Amen? So Jesus, I ask you right now, God, that you would meet with your people. And Holy Spirit, I pray for your forgiveness right now. Lord, we confess our sins to you. Jesus, right now we say, forgive me of all of my sin. I confess them to you. Make us right before you, Lord God. Make us right before you. Come into our lives. Make us, Lord, uh, help us to make you our Lord and our Savior, God. Father, I pray that we would get a servant's heart. God, that we would do things for you when no one's looking. 
when no one's there to applaud, maybe no one's there to recognize but you. God, may we be content with that. And Jesus, some of us feel so inadequate. We feel like we can't do this. We feel like we've been disqualified because of something in our past. We, we can list so many things. But Jesus, help us to know you're praying for us. You believe in us more than we believe in ourselves. And God, you desire to use us even the way we are right now. So Lord, meet with your people at the table. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.